everybody. Welcome to the latest, greatest edition of the Nesting After Hours podcast presented by People's United Bank. I'm Emerson Lott, the Steely Godwin is here. And the captain of the A-team, Mr. A-lister himself, Tom Karen, in the house today. <laughs> we got a lot of baseball to talk about. Mr. Nesson, how are you doing? Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about World Series, Mookie, Alex Cora. Uh, but just tell us, what's life like for you in the offseason? It's a grind. It's a grind. Uh, up early, uh, just, you know, trying to uh, make up. Uh, no, it's the offseason. Listen, you leave it when you do what I do when you're baseball, you, you leave October open for the playoffs. And it either goes one of two ways. You're working every night uh, covering the playoffs or you're not. Uh, and in this case, we're not. So, yeah, boating, golfing, biking, watching uh, the playoffs uh, from a distance, uh, just like everybody else. How do you feel about watching the playoffs with Mookie Betts in it and the performance he put up in game one? Well, first of all, I'm happy for Mookie because honestly, one of the uh, one of the quiet little secrets of Mookie's time in Boston, he really didn't perform well offensively in the postseason. Yep. Uh, and he is now. So uh, I'm happy for him. Uh, he's a five tool player and he's putting all five tools on display. Uh, it does seem to be a more relaxed, uh, happier guy. I hate to read into body language, but the smile seems a little bigger. He seems more relaxed. Now, I don't want to say that's because he's in LA versus Boston. Maybe it's because he's got the deal and he's got the security and he knows his place and uh, he doesn't have to grind on that. Uh, but I'm happy for him. I mean, it's hard It's hard to, uh, to be on Twitter watching those games if you're yeah. a Red Sox fan. You know, uh, it, it just is. put the phone down and watch the game and enjoy the moment because uh, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of gnashing of teeth and wailing going on. Yeah, every so, time thought, he does something great, everybody's just really, really upset here. And I, I mean, yeah. I, I like to see someone be successful just because when you cover someone and you get to know them a little bit, you you, you feel good when they're doing good, even if they're not with your team anymore. How, how would you describe the reaction of, of Red Sox Nation as they're watching, you know, the former prodigal son yeah. play? Yeah, well, I mean, it's why, listen, I, it, we all understand it. Nobody nobody chooses uh, as a fan uh, payroll flexibility over a superstar, right? I mean, if, if we tell you next year you can have uh, this great player or your team can have more money available, you're going to choose the great player. That's that's why you have money is is to get the player. That said, I, I listen, uh, the year before they traded him, during the, during the trade deadline, I said they should trade him. Uh, I, I didn't feel, I don't think Mookie was ever unhappy here. But I never felt that he was going to sign an extension with the Red Sox prior to reaching free agency. So you reach free agency, all bets are off. Maybe you keep him. Maybe you have the best offer and you keep him. That's great. Uh, would the Red Sox have won the World Series this year with Mookie Betts? No. Mookie Betts can't pitch. Mookie Betts wasn't going to help this team uh, uh, win the World Series this year. So how would you feel right now? And I get everybody loves Mookie Betts. I get it. But how would you feel right now if Moogie Betts were your player, you didn't make the playoffs, and now he's going into free agency and you've got nothing? They got something for him. That said, I, I don't want to be an apologist because the mistake is if you're going to be outraged, it's that three years ago, four years ago, the Red Sox didn't find a way to get this done. That's the mistake. The mistake of the Red Sox was not locking Moogie Betts up to a long-term deal three seasons ago. Or at, at, at last case, right after the World Series or, or prior to that season. So they blew that. There's no question. But now where they were, where they're going, it made sense. It really did. Doesn't some of that have to do with Mookie, though, and good for him knowing that, like, having that confidence in himself to think, all right, my value is just going to continue to skyrocket, like, each season? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, have you ever seen the guy bowl? He's a confident guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. there's still, I, I go back to the thing and, and you know, the, the, the cool guys don't look at explosions, right? Walking away from the explosion at the end of the movie. Oh, like, bowled, yeah, like the Alex Cora meme. Right, right. He Like the <laughs> meme, exactly right. He <laughs> threw a ball in a bowl in, in a major event on ESPN and turned around before they hit the pins, <laughs> knowing it was a strike. And it was a strike. And Mookie Betts was walking away as the pins blew up behind him. It's like you so walking in a putt is, when you're playing golf. Like, yeah, or in the second putt and the third putt and the fourth putt. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, uh, yeah. over and over. Yeah, that's but so he, fun. I mean, he's a confident guy. There's no doubt about that. And and this is a guy that's five foot nine, like 170 pounds wet. Right. And, and a, sec- a second stuff. baseman coming up through the minors who was projected to be a, a decent hitting infielder with light power. Okay, now he's become... Arguably the best outfielder in baseball. Certainly one of the top five defensively, right? Gold glove winning guy. Uh, And, and, you know, uh, a guy who does have power and and can help you in all assets of the game. And who knew he had so much in common with Babe Ruth? (laughs) Well, the same body type, you know. What what do you think it would look like Babe Ruth stealing a base in 1921? We wouldn't have gotten free tacos. I know that much. Yeah, back then it was like a hot dog and a beer. Yeah, well, he ate them all, though. That was the problem. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk full about this full World Series picture here. Uh, are you happy to see the Tampa Bay Rays and the L.A. Dodgers? Are, are you satisfied with the final two teams standing? Absolutely. They're the two best teams in baseball. I think it's only the fourth time in history that number one faces number one. The best team in the American League regular season against the best team in the National League regular season. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think the Dodgers were the best team in baseball. Uh, coming into this season, so that's not a surprise. I'm not sure the Rays would have been the best team in baseball over 162 games, but certainly 60 games fits their bullpen approach. You know, I'm, those bullpen uh, strategies can kind of start to crumble if if those guys have to go 80, 90 innings over the course of a season instead of the 30, 40 innings your, your relievers had to throw. Uh, but yeah, no, this is the right matchup. I think, you know, would have been interesting if the Yankees, uh, they, the Astros never should have been there. You know, they were under 500 during the regular season. Would have been a ridiculous story if it was the Astros and Dodgers again. Probably would have been good for attention. Uh, but these are the right teams. And and it's interesting, you know, like Dan Shaughnessy, uh, you know, believes that the Rays winning the World Series would ruin baseball forever because of their analytical approach and the small budget. Uh, and so it's an interesting thing to watch how these two teams approach games and what it means to baseball going forward. Yeah, what'd you think of the Dodgers bullpen approach on uh, game two? It kind of backfired on them. Yeah, surprising. Yeah, and yeah, and here's the thing: they don't do that during the regular season, right? Yeah. That's not the way the Dod- the Dodgers have a rotation. They let their starters go. I mean, we've seen the Dodgers in the playoffs, right? It's the third time in the World Series in the last four years, and and we know they approach the playoffs very analytically right each of their last two world series you can go to a specific moment when he pulled rich hill low pitch count pitching well against red sox prior to that against the astros and it backfired both times uh they did you know in last game two they really uh did that to the extreme now the the rays they do that all year they didn't have a guy go longer than seven innings all season they didn't have a guy go longer than six innings yet in the playoffs uh you know to, to, to charlie morton in game seven pulling them out with 66 pitches and a two hit shutout right. going. That tells you everything you need to know. So uh, it, it is interesting that the Rays seem more comfortable as players with that highly analytical approach to, to pitching uh, uh, roles than maybe the Dodgers do when they hit the postseason. Yeah. Uh, the differences between game one and game two, it's like they flip flopped just on how they were offensively and pitching wise. Um, but 
uh, as you're watching this series unfold, what in your gut do you feel like who's going to win this and in how many games? Yeah, I still think the Dodgers are the better team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I said Dodgers in six coming into the whole thing. I, I won't change that. Uh, but the Rays showed me something last night. And the Rays, you know, I used to do Bruins games a lifetime ago at Nesson. And, and when, you know, we used to talk about really defensive teams. It was the era of the trap. Everybody was back, right? And if you got a, if you get the New Jersey Devils won the Stanley Cup because they would score first. If they scored first, it was almost impossible to score against them, right? Uh, Celia, you love soccer. Park the bus, right? Get everybody yeah. back. So, I, in, in, you know, the Rays almost have that same approach. They got the early lead last night, and you right away felt like they were a different team. Like, they can come at you with the bullpen early. They can lock it down like they did in game seven when they got the lead uh, against the Astros. So, I, I mean, what's it going to take for the Rays to win? Well, score first. I think that's really important for them. Uh, and then you can go to the bullpen quickly. It's a different story when you're down a couple of runs and you go to that bullpen. That still doesn't help you get the offense. Now, they won their first three rounds with, with Lau and Wendell basically doing nothing. Uh, those guys wake up in game two, and all of a sudden that offense is a completely different thing. So it's going to be a better series than I thought. I, I want to drop in this stat real quick. Tampa Bay 32-7 and seven when scoring first. In the see, season. and I didn't even know that. There you go, See, sir. I don't need analytics. <laughs> no, you don't. You just need that big beefy brain of yours. It's absolutely it's, perfect. Yeah, this is size seven and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know Red Sox fans aren't necessarily enjoying watching Mookie Beck succeed, but how much hope should watching the Rays right now, being on this stage, how much hope should it give them knowing now that Chaim Bloom, who helped build that team, is now building the Red Sox? Yeah, it, it's a great question, and it's the important question for Red Sox fans surrounding this uh, surrounding this series. So, so what you've got when you're watching the Rays is sort of the quick blueprint back to being a playoff contender, right? You could, I mean, these guys they use everybody on the roster. Rosarain has been their best player. He doesn't play every day, and he gets a pinch run for. I still can't understand that. But uh, and they, uh, Kiermaier doesn't necessarily play every game. Uh, Zanino hits big home runs, doesn't necessarily play every game, right? They use everybody on that roster. Uh, and, and is that exciting? Maybe not, because you like your stars. You want to see Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers every day. Uh, they're also, you know, a team that's not afraid to trade, right? And, and Bloom was all part of that. And, and they traded away Evan Longoria and, and, and David Price and, and Ben Zobris. These are some mm -hmm. of the guys they traded away to get this roster. So that's the blueprint for, for Heim Bloom to get you back to contention. But I'll say the Dodgers are the blueprint for what the Red Sox want to be. Andrew Friedman left Tampa Bay and went to run the Dodgers, right? So he hired Heim Bloom. He put together this front office for the Rays with that small budget, working the margins, trade guys at their height. When he went to L.A., he kept that same attitude to build the foundation of a team. You got to have good young players. You got to have a, a farm system that brings up guys that let you keep that payroll down. But then you can sign Mookie Betts to that massive deal and Clayton Kershaw and David Price. And if you're the Red Sox, if you're Red Sox fans, listen, I know everybody's, oh my God, they're acting like a small market team. All they care about, that was to get under the luxury cap and they did that. They're going to spend again. And, and what they're going to be is they're going to try to be more, you know, maybe somewhere between, but more like the Dodgers where you've got your young core You've got good talent coming up, Tristan Cassis, whoever the next guy is coming up from the minors. And then you can go out, sign long-term deals to a guy like Devers, uh, to a guy like Verdugo, to a guy, you know, they already did Vasquez and Bogarts. Uh, you lock those guys up and then you maybe sprinkle in a free agent or two. That's where the Red Sox want to be. Uh, can you 
uh, we haven't heard much about Jackie Bradley Jr. What, what do you think is going to happen with him? I think he's going to be a free agent. Uh, that'll happen as soon as the World Series is over. I think he's probably going to go elsewhere. Not because the Red Sox don't want him. I think they'll make an effort. Uh, but I think there'll be more money, more years out there for him. Uh, and good for him, you know, uh, much like Mookie Betts would have been at that point uh, now. Uh, you only earn that right once or twice in your career. Uh, he, he is, listen, I've said all along, if you were going to create uh, the avatar on your Xbox of the perfect Red Sox player to represent your team, Jackie Bradley Jr. would be what you'd end up with. Uh, signs every autograph, makes every public appearance, says all the right things, is respectful. I mean, he's everything you wanted a player. And oh, by the way, the best center fielder, all due respect to Fred Lynn, that I've ever seen uh, in a Red Sox uniform. So uh, he's everything you want. He's got a chance to, to cash in. Good for him. All right. Speaking of coming back to Boston, how much are we reading into the emojis from Alex Cora on Twitter? <laughs> on. The eyeballs here. The eyeballs, the like, like the, 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 yeah, the, the prayer, the hands praying. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, I said at the beginning of all this, when the season ended, it didn't sound to me like Heim Bloom was, was, was going to bring uh, Alex Cora back. I think if every day that goes by, it's more likely he does. I think he's the right guy. I, I think they should bring Alex Cora back. Revel Devers missed them this year. Uh, he, he's great with a lot of these guys, great with J.D. Martinez and, and Christian Vasquez. Terry Francona always said the most important thing to managing in Boston isn't necessarily what you do in the game. It's how you keep this team in the pressure of Boston functioning and and not getting caught up in all that and not losing it it takes a certain player to perform here it takes a certain manager to keep that group performing here Alex Cora proved he can do it uh listen I know he, he paid his paid his penance for uh, what he did in Houston but there was nothing found on him for 2018 in Boston there's no reason he shouldn't be able to come back and be the manager and I think he should yeah, I know a lot of fans want him back, too, and the players love him. They see him, like, as a father figure. I mean, he really motivated a lot of these guys and got the best out of them. Um, they would like to see him back. Um, uh, obviously, a considerable amount of frustration from Red Sox fans this year. Uh, winning can cure that, but it's going to be a process to get there. So does that start with hiring a great manager or acquiring a stud ace or, or something else. How does that process begin in your opinion, Tom? Yeah, see all of the above. Uh, <laughs> you need to hire a good manager. Uh, I don't know if you need an ace because you should have one coming back eventually in Chris Sale uh, and Eduardo Rodriguez. And again, those are two big question marks. I, I, I think Erod is more of a question mark now than Sale because you know, the more you hear about the myocarditis that can follow COVID-19, uh, it's scary stuff. And, and you really don't know what the process is coming back. He's, he's virtually done nothing now uh, for closing in on a year and, and pitchers never go through that. So at least Chris Sale is following a set protocol coming back from Tommy John and knowing Sale as competitive as he is, he's going to be in the best shape of his life, which is scary when he comes back. Uh, so I, you've got an ace, you've got a top of the rotation. I, I want a middle, you know, a two or three type guy. Trevor Bauer would be the guy I'd love to see here. Uh, obviously, he's a great pitcher. Uh, he's outrageous. Uh, oh, God. He, he's, he's polarizing he's on Twitter. And he would give the Red Sox. You, know, you think the Red Sox are bland? We'll bring Trevor Bauer in. No They're not kidding. Bland anymore. Instant Just flavor like right there. Instant yeah. flavor. And he can pitch. I, I don't care about flavor. I care about <laughs> pitching. If he can pitch, then I don't care about flavor. Bring that along with you. That's fine. You got to be able to pitch. Uh, and oh, then they need I to retool the entire bullpen. They need to, they need to uh, change, you know. 
you, you've got a couple guys to build around. You've got some young guys who could help on the uh, the fringe of that. But I need I need two or three good relievers. The offense is fine. I mean, you're talking Verdugo, Endeavors, and Bogarts, and Martinez off the top. That's as good as anybody. Vasquez, one of the best hitting catchers in baseball. I believe Jackie Bradley Jr. I, I'm sorry, Andrew Benintendi will come back and uh, regain his form. Uh, so I think the offense is okay. I think the pitching staff. You know, luckily we saw some things. I like Martin Perez at the end of the rotation. He became a number one, number two. He should be a number five. He's a good number five. Uh, you know, we, we saw the young guys, Hauk and, and, and Pavetta come up at the end. Seabold, who they got in the trade, is a little further away. So I think the pitching is coming together. You need one more starter to sort of crystallize that whole thing. Yep. Right. yep. How soon do you think they make an announcement about a manager? I know Cora's suspension. I know that it's up after the World Series. But how it's soon? It's up after the World Series. Now, World Series. Yeah, I mean, you know, a part of me would be like, you know, the, the game ends at uh, 12, 13 a.m. <laughs> That's what I want right now. 12, 15 a.m. the release comes out. <laughs> the problem with that is technically, and I, I have no idea if they've bridged this or not, but technically they can't even talk to him until the s- suspension is over. So yeah. if you do that, then you're probably going to get whacked by by MLB. So it could be like 12:02 a.m. because you talk to him from midnight to 12:01. There you and then go. You it won't take really long. I mean, it won't take long. He had <laughs> no. a deal. You just got like, hey, the you deal. in? Yeah, I'm in. Great. All right, release out. Yeah, I would think. I, you know, go. yeah, I would think it'd be like two days later. Yeah, yeah. it's go- it's going right, to be really like really quick. Ideally, um, you do it right during the Rays parade, you know, if the Rays did it, or, 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 the, or the Dodgers yeah. parade, right? Mookie Betts is in the middle of his parade, and you introduce the new man. <laughs> Mookie looking at a smoke, getting the alert, Cora hired back. Is Another a, a little emoji from Cora. So, um, Tom, real quick before we let you go here, with point out something from this season that you're like, that's a good memory. That's a good moment that I'm going to look back on it in this dumpster fire year of 2020. The awful thing is my knee-jerk reaction when you asked that was it ended. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm so signing with you off, on that. Signing so off at the end of the post-game show it's in so game fair. 60 was yeah. the best moment. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to stick with that, but, but not in such a snarky way uh, because they got through it. You know what I mean? I, I Listen, yeah. I mean, I remember Jerry Remy and I on our podcast, which will be back next spring, I believe. Uh, the uh, wait, I remember us saying at spring training, they're never going to get through this, you know, and then at summer camp or whatever we called it, 2.0, saying there's no way they're going to get this season in. And it was miserable for the Red Sox. There's no doubt about that. But they got the season in. They got to reset their salary thing and all that. That's important. But I'm watching World Series games right now, guys, and I'm loving it. You know, those two game sevens over the weekend were great baseball. Yeah, it was, great it was good That was fantastic baseball to watch. So it, that's why you crammed in these 60 games. That, you know, the, the Yankees playing 11 games in the final eight days of the season with double headers every day. You did all that so that you could get to this. Right? And I'll go off track for a second and, and take Matt Chatham's role. But the, you're, listen, forget about competitive integrity. You just got to get 16 games in. I'll make a prediction right now. One NFL team before the end of the season will play four games in three weeks. I'm telling you. So technically they're going to play two games in one NFL week. And it's going to go like, it's going to go like Sunday, Thursday, Monday, and give me Monday. Like a you know what I mean? Or go, yeah. yeah. You'll or two. For yeah. Sure. Cause you're going to have, you're going to have Tuesday night football. You're going to have Wednesday morning football. You're going to have Friday lunch football. I mean, they're going to cram <laughs> all these games in. Because it's not about competitive integrity. Forget about it. We've already seen it, right? The Patriots are playing games where they didn't practice. So it's just, it's what baseball did. And they did it well. We don't always say that about baseball. 
baseball did it well. They canceled all those games and made them play doubleheaders, and the Cardinals only played 58 games, but whatever. You got a season in. You got to the playoffs. The money comes in with the playoffs. NFL will do the same thing. And so my lasting memory of this being, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll always love this, was that it ended, that they actually had a season because I didn't think they would. If NFL players weren't so weak and cowardly, they would play doubleheaders like real men, like baseball Well, I players. suggested on Twitter, people don't really understand, uh, set, you know, uh, what, sarcasm. There's no sarcasm font. Yeah. But I said, you know, three-quarter doubleheaders, right? It's like a seven-game doubleheader. <laughs> Let's you play, go. You play two games, three-quarters each. What's the big deal? I mean, if baseball's getting weird with some of their rules, come on, NFL. Let's go. Rip a page. Well, yeah, book. I mean, baseball is getting weird with some of their rules. But I, by the way, I, I know I've already used up my time, but I don't care. Because I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going on a boat. I'm going golfing. I don't technically. Somebody, I was with a friend the other day, and he said, oh, "I got to work in the morning." I said, "I got to work in April." So whatever. Uh, the, <laughs> and he the, hates uh, you. <laughs> and he hates me for that. So, but uh, I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh yeah, the rule: uh, neutral site World Series. By the way, I love it. I, I, I want the World Series in a neutral site every year. Let's do it. Seven days in a row to get rid of the off days, like you did in the NLCS. Make it like the Super Bowl, but make it a week long. Scott Boris, as crazy as he is, has has been on this for like 10 years. You make it a spectacle. You could have, you know, there's so many fans in the Far East that they could fly in to see the World Series. A World, World Series week. Yeah. A like World Super Series Bowl. week. His That's idea cool. is you his idea is you have that you have an awards banquet. You know, you do like like the NHL and other yeah. other sports do. NASCAR oh. has a big awards. So you do your baseball awards where you give out the MVP and all that stuff during the week of the World Series. Home run derby is the week of the World Series. You just have this celebration of baseball in Dallas or Miami or San Diego or LA in a warm weather site. You lose the home field, there's no doubt about it. And and fans couldn't go to as many games, right? If you're a Red Sox fan, the Red Sox are in the World Series, but you pick two games and you go down for two nights and you see two games of the World Series. Uh, it's a cool idea. It gets rid of the rainouts. It gets rid of, if you remember last time the Rays were in the World Series, Joe Madden was wearing like the winter flap cap because it yeah, was raining in, 2008, yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, so I like this uh, neutral side. I like it with fans someday, but uh, I like it. They're making right. it work in this pandemic weird year that we are in right now but the, i mean look at the struggle the struggle is real you know to, fall, to, fall you is know, terrible here it's awful i mean <laughs> no yeah listen I, I we're getting through it right i i, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen now hockey and, and basketball will have to start up again at some point and you know it, it's amazing that we were sitting around saying oh next year that well it's not next year it's whenever things get back to normal and it's probably not gonna be january no. I agree, man. So. 2021 is like two months away. And I was right. saying that last, I was saying that last night with Sophia and a few other people at Nesson. And I said, dude, things are not going to change when the clock strikes midnight and it's January 1st. Like everyone's right. like, Oh my God, it's 2021. No, it's going to be like this for a little while. Unfortunately, I think I'm just right. now accepting it. Yeah. yeah and that, that and that's a great, I think we all looked up and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's canceling Thanksgiving plans. Everyone, you know, yeah, all of a sudden like terrible. it's rolling into this winter. And, and so any, you know, like I said, I, I said to my wife at one point, as bad as, and I'm literally watching my dog pee on my deck right now, but that's great. Uh, and as, literally, I just caught my attention over there. Come here. Screw you, Dad. Come here. Come. Come. All right. Hang on. I mean, is, there's uh, grass right behind you, this dog. This is for the outtake. Of, She's uh, amazing. Of, of, of oh, so Dude, I love her, man. 
don't kiss me after you pee on the deck. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right, I forgive you. But anyway, anyway, the beauty of this is, you know what? We're complaining about the way the Red Sox played. We're complaining about the bullpen. We're complaining about a Patriots loss. That's beautiful. We're not talking about COVID. We're not talking about deaths. Yeah. We're not Agreed. talking about, let's talk about, if you're mad about sports, that's awesome. You should be, be mad, mad about, about sports. Absolutely. Yeah, dude, as long as we're doing this, as long as we have shows, man, like everything, everything's gravy in my eyes. Things could always be a lot worse. So all about perspective. Absolutely. Like as long as you're, you're breathing, you got a roof over your head, you got people in your corner, just keep chugging along. It'd be nice to have a bullpen, but it's kind of far down the list right now. Yeah, yeah, at this at Agreed. this point in 2020 here. Uh, Tom Karen, it is a pleasure to see you again. It is so awesome to have you on the After Hours podcast. We really appreciate the time today. Uh, enjoy golf. And enjoy the boat. Enjoy Maine. Enjoy all the things that you're doing in your offseason. I will. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It was fun. <laughs> see you, buddy. Bye, Tom. Uh, always good hearing from our, uh, our pal, Tom Karen, the face of New England, the face of Maine, if you will. Uh, how about the face of the 49ers who – well, he's the worst handsome quarterback in the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo, returning to uh, Foxborough this weekend. So that'll be something I know I'll be keeping an eye on you as well. Yeah. Uh, pretty stoked for that. As the Patriots trying to avoid losing three games in a row, in a row since yeah. like the early 2000s here. But hey, everyone, remember last time it started two and three, 2001. I think that ended with the Super Bowl, but it was also uh, Tom Brady. It was also Tom Brady playing quarterback yeah. in a not Cam Newton. I, just having practice again, I think you're going to see a major difference with this team. I mean, they had two practices in two weeks. You're going to be rusty. Your timing's going to be off. You're not going to anticipate things as well. It showed. And as embarrassing and as frustrating it was to lose to the Broncos, who a team I've covered for the last couple of years before coming here, they're not that good of a football team. So losing to them was a gut check for sure. But I understand that the Patriots didn't really have the best two weeks of preparation for that matchup. I'm expecting a much better showing against the 49ers, especially since they're so banged up. They do have George Kittle, who's a freaking stud. And yeah, and, and Belichick, Belichick, like, Belichick is in love him. with him. In oh my love. God, he, he wants to marry him. I swear he likes him more than he liked Tom Brady. Um, but and it, punters it, and kickers, because he really likes those guys too. Yeah, he does. It, Bill likes the most interesting characters uh, in the NFL. Uh, did you see the report about Antonio Brown? Uh, wrapping what? up his suspension, eight-week suspension, and the Seahawks. Yeah, I did. I saw team. it, and I immediately tried to go scoop him up in all three of my season-long fantasy leagues. <laughs> and, of course, people already have him stashed away on their bench. But, yeah, I guess if someone's going to give him a shot, I don't know, Pete Carroll's just like, we'll see what happens. And, of course, Russell Danger Wilson, who's already having this MVP caliber season right now, yes. you're going to add another weapon for him? Like, that's frightening. And go ahead and lock in – Super Bowl for the Seahawks if Antonio Brown can come back and actually be as productive as he was, at least in the one game he had with the Patriots and before he went way off the rails. I, I wholeheartedly agree to that statement. Um, I'll, real quick, also, Dallas Cowboys, it seems like they're imploding. Uh, the report coming out of there that the players are calling the coaching staff totally unprepared. I'm not shocked by that because it's Mike McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and how he fizzled out in Green Bay was just atrocious and wasting Aaron Rodgers' primetime years for so damn long. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's been sad to kind of watch the Cowboys when it comes to Dak Prescott, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mess there. I think he's, I think Jerry Jones is obviously going to have patience with him, especially like when he had Mike McCarthy, like 
staying at his house for like a sleepover during the interview process. That's still like super weird to me. Also, <laughs> they're still in first place in that crappy ass How? division. So What's I don't know. <laughs> it could be Andy Dalton leading them to like a five, uh, let's see, like a five, 12. What is the math? What is my math here? Five, 10 and one would be like their, their record. That's what I'm predicting here for like the winner of like the AFC least. Yes. And it, the NFC least. NFC least. Yes. So ESPN ran some simulations of how low the division winner could be, how many wins they could have. And they had some simulations that showed that the winner could have four <laughs> wins. How, oh, how, man. That's embarrassing. Yeah. If Just 2020 was a football division, it would be the NFC East. I mean, as sad as that division is, the Jets are even more sad. Yeah, they're they're pretty gross right now. And I think at this point, they're just like, Evan, man, we're going to take for Trevor. We got rid of Le'Veon Bell, who is now with Kansas City. Like, Kansas City's just going to get better, and the Jets are just going to get worse. If you are a good player on the Jets, you are, like, no longer on the Jets because you have demanded no, you to left. leave a long time ago. You left. But here's the thing. Michael Lombardi, our NFL insider, came on Nesson After Hours, the show, and was talking about how Adam Gase is going to – He's being paid to lose. And I was so confused when he said that. I was like, you, you come to coach to win. You don't come to coach to lose. And he's like, well, they want him to lose. And I'm like, what? And I was like, I guess that makes sense. But what a waste of a year. Yeah, what it sure is. But I mean, you see that with some of these garbage teams. You realize, all right, we're not going to win. We're not going to make the playoffs. You don't, you don't want to start like winning games. You're better off losing them all than honestly winning like three or four games because you're just hurting your draft position. And like this team, it seems a lost cause. And it's it's sad. It's pathetic. Essentially, yeah, they're just going to tank. They're tanking. They're, they're going to be worse than the Cleveland Browns from what, 2016 or 2017, the year that they won 0 and 16. They're going to be worse than that. Yeah. I, I, I'm calling it. But here's the catcher or the kicker. Sorry. Trevor Lawrence. What if he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go back to Clemson for my senior year. Yeah, Take he could. That, he could, or it could pull like an Eli Manning like back in the day when he was like selected by the Chargers. Like, yeah, I'm not going there, <laughs> and just refu just refusing to play for him. Um, and then uh, Tua Tungavailoa, that it's Tua time down in my in Miami. Finally, that news uh, coming out this week too. I feel bad for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit though. His heart was broken. I don't. I I, I honestly defund the Dolphins. The fact that they broke the heart of Ryan Fitzmagic, get out of here, man. This is way too premature. You don't need to be putting Tua in right now. This was premeditated. They knew. I think before the season, no matter what they were through these first six games, knowing they had a bye week then before week eight, I think they knew that they were going to put Tua in no matter what. Yeah. Were, he's three and four, Ryan Fitzmagic over the past four games, uh, three and one over the past four games. Like he's not, and he's not the reason you lost two of those games. No. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. So little premature and you're going to have Aaron Donald going after your quarterback in week eight here, who still is coming off that ridiculous hip injury. So who knows, man, he's too, he's perfect in his Dolphins career right now, though, too, a two for two for nine yards, man. That's yeah. Well, that was shine. garbage time. That he came <laughs> in. Um, but for Ryan Fitzpatrick, it, what, how I look at him, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, he knows. He knows. I just think he uh, he didn't expect it this early. No, no. 
Uh, all righty, E, that's going to do it for us. It was absolutely awesome to talk to you about some NFL news and looking ahead to the Patriots, hopefully taking down the 49ers, and then, of course, having the great Tom Karen on to talk everything and anything baseball. So wonderful Tops. job today, sir. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. New England, I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the weather while it's still good. Please, for God's sake, get outside. Go leave even as creepy as that sounds. <laughs> Later, everybody.